Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. Right, uh, I want to uh, say goodbye to 316. After you go to your groups, please. Bless you guys. And I also want to welcome Julian. Let's give Julian a huge round of applause. <laughs> Julian's continuing our, our series in 1 Peter, Living Differently. I'm just going to pray for him, and uh, we're going to get into the Word. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for your presence here, and we thank you for what you've put into Julian's heart this morning. So, God, I pray as he speaks, our hearts will be good soil to receive all you have for us. Just bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Will there still be cake? That's all I want to know. I know sales dipped after Simon's word at the beginning of the year. uh, I'm here to address that this morning. Great poem as well. Thank you. So we are here on our Living Differently series. We're on number seven. And today we are speaking on a passionate, a compassionate people in a menacing world. Uh, but before I start, I really want us to pray. Okay, I, think, I just think it's so important. Wasn't it precious this morning, the time of worship? Arguably it's subjective, but did you sense almost like a weight of the anointing? You know, it said in the Old Testament that the priests had the oil and it just kind of weighed them down. Isn't it nice to be weighed down by God rather than being weighed down by some of the rubbish of the world? So let us pray. Father, we come to you now to listen to your word. Father God, we want to hear your voice and not the ideas of man. Man is flawed, man is weak, yet your Holy Spirit is true and you lead us, Holy Spirit, into all truth. Lord, would you graciously anoint the words of this man and illuminate your priorities in our hearts. Lord God, would you open ears to hear the prompting and whispers of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you move on those who are hungry this morning for more of you. Holy Spirit, would you challenge the disinterested? Would you capture the attention of the distracted? And Lord God, would you draw in the disengaged? Father, would you have your way this morning? And Lord, all the honour, all the glory, all the praise goes alone to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to turn to 1 Peter, it's very near the back of your Bible, and uh, to chapter 3. <laughs> I have a sense that the Lord wants to do business with us, I think he has already, and, and uh, so just allow your spirit just to be kind of softened and open to what the Lord may say to you. So verse 8, finally, all of you have unity of mind Sympathy, brotherly love, 
a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for revival, reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Let's see if I can get that up for you. Da-da. Four, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behaviour in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, formerly they because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while in the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God through good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. Hallelujah. So, being compassionate in a menacing world. Would you like to tell me some of the things which you find menacing? If not, I'll pick on you and then you can tell me what you find (laughs) menacing. So, menacing? Terrorism. Terrorism, thank you. Is that all? What do you find menacing? Would, would it help if I gave a prize to someone? All right, there's a prize. There's a prize for a good answer. Menacing. Arsenal fans. Arsenal fans. Very much. I'm sure the Spurs fans amongst us, amongst us, amongst here. You find Arsenal fans. I find West Ham fans. Marion. Gangs. That's a good answer. Menacing. Now, as this is the children's talk, would you like to come forward and get your prize, Marion? Yes. Here she comes. I've got to find a prize now. Maggie. Maggie, sorry. Oh, Maggie's lovely. Don't stop me. Right. Maggie, there you are. That's your prize. And that is a prophetic word because the Lord said to me, whoever gets the prize, I want to provide them with a practical bounty, but also I want to provide them with my bounty, the bounty of the Lord. Okay, so be blessed. Thank you. Right. Special lady. So there are all sorts of things that we find menacing, aren't there? There, There's, there's, say, with terrorism, there's there's conflict, um, influence of computers, 
health scares. There's plenty we find um, in, um, menacing. Maybe it's that BMW that comes down the road towards you with all that loud music blaring out of. I do apologise for that, by the way. <laughs> but a few weeks ago, um, I, was going for, I went for a little walk just to prepare this preach, and I was walking across a park quite near one man and his dog. One man and his dog. And he was about 50, 60 metres away. And he picked up his ball and he threw it and it landed about two inches from my feet. And guess what came then? Dog came bounding towards me. So that wasn't very much of a blessing. Then I went down to the uh, footpath where uh, I go over the railway bridge because I like to wait for the trains. And uh, coming towards me were eight teenagers smoking, shouting and talking very loudly. And uh, when you get to my age, that's quite menacing. So... We do live in a menacing world. So what I, what I think of, when I just sense that what we should be looking at is like an ABC of how we can deal with this. So here we go. So I believe the A is we need to accept Jesus. B, we need to be baptised. C, we need to have compassion at the centre of what we do. And that's where I'm going to be spending most of the time. We need for D to delight in being part of God's family. And E... Realise that we're part of an eternal, eternal destiny and that we should have an eternal perspective. See, A, for accepting Jesus, I can make no apology for the most crucial decision that you will ever have to make in your life is whether you will accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of your life. It's a very simple message and it's a very old message. But Jesus was a perfect man. He, came, he was God, perfectly man, perfectly God. He came to this earth to die for the sins that we've done, the bad things we've done, and actually the bad things that we are. He came, he died on the cross for us, God raised him to life, and he's ascended to the right hand of God the Father, which is rather good news. So thanks for the hallelujahs there. So. <laughs> but God raised him from the dead. He ascended to the right hand. And now we can just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the rubbish, the stuff I've done. Lord, would you come and be the Lord of my life? It's very simple, accepting Jesus. Now, the Alpha course has just started, and it was good, wasn't it? Wasn't it good? There was just a nice buzz about it, very encouraging. And then, if you, so if, if you didn't come on Wednesday, we could probably squeeze you in. I'm sure we can do a bit of food. But do come to Alpha, because it will unpack that a little bit more and answer some of the difficult questions, which I'm not here to deal with this morning, fortunately. Verse 18 says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus Christ has paid the price for our sin. And we can ask him to become Lord of our life. Now, there was a very well-known writer, a theologian called A.W. Tozer, Aidan Wilson Tozer, I think he was called. Um, and you can see him on YouTube or listen to his old tapes on YouTube, which I recommend. They're excellent. A bit dated, but excellent. And he speaks of Jesus being pierced in his side on the cross. Do you remember that? And Pete, Peter preaches in Acts 2, 37, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that the people that heard were cut to the heart by the words. And this is what Tozer says. The Greek here is deeper and more penetrating piercing into the hearts of Peter's hearers than into the side of Jesus. 
the words of Peter through the Holy Spirit were so piercing and so deep. And as Christians, let's not switch off when we hear the word would go into people's hearts, really pierce people's hearts, that they would hear the word of God. I think it's so important to ask the Holy Spirit to do the convicting. B, be baptised. It's a bit of an awkward scripture to read. I've practised this many times and I still fall over it because, I'm, as you know, I'm not that great at reading. But just read what it says here, verses 18 to 21. It says this, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Phew! (laughs) Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God from a good conscience, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I would love to get all excited about the theological issues surrounding Noah and baptism and so forth. But ever since I was given this portion of scripture to look at this morning, I've had a strong conviction in my heart that there are people that need to be baptised. You need to be baptised. Now, the danger is when you have a platform, you can be dogmatic and you can be pushy, and that's not my heart at all. All I'm saying is, is it time to get baptised? You see, God says it's not a question of whether you feel ready. I believe it's a question of whether we're going to be obedient to the word of God. And I believe there are people here today, you feel stuck, you feel you're not really moving on with God. And I would suggest to you the reason for that is that you need to be obedient to be baptised. And who knows what God will open up for you thereafter. Because God cannot resist people who are obedient to his word. And I believe that if you will trust him by being obedient in baptism, that he will release much more clarity to you in your life, more blessing in your life. Verse 21 and 22 tells us that the water itself has got no magic qualities, although interesting when you empty a baptistry, there's often dirt at the bottom, which I thought was quite interesting. (laughs) Was that a joke? Did I miss something? We just got the joke I told at the beginning. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's an appeal to God from a good conscience. It's a being obedient to the word of God. And on uh, Friday, I was working, just sort of thinking through, praying through what's happening this morning. And I sensed the Lord gave me a picture, and it was a, it was a canal, and there was a boat. And people got onto the boat, and that sort of re- represented people coming to know Jesus, which was fantastic. They got on the canal boat and started going down the canal. It was lovely, lovely scenery. But then they came to a lock, and that lock represented baptism. And they said, you know what? We're not going through that lock. No, we're not going any further. And they stayed on the canal, and it was nice, and the scenery was nice, but they never moved on. And then one person said, come on, let's go through the lock. They went through the lock, and then it opened up new rivers, new canals, new opportunities And I just have this sense the Lord is saying, there is much more wonderful scenery ahead for you. If you feel stuck, just ask yourself the question, have I been baptised? I was baptised 
Chatsworth Baptist Church, West Nord, London, 10th of November, Sunday, Armistice Day, 1974. <laughs> I do. But that was... I know, although there was, there was a bit of emotion because it was nice to be the centre of attention as a 14-year-old and you hoped all the girls would come up from the group afterwards and say, oh, you're so wonderful, give me back. That didn't happen. Oh. <laughs> but I made the decision, I did it, and it was done. And I could say, I was baptised on that date. If you have a fear of water or anything, that, no, that's okay, that, that's genuine and we can, that could be prayed for. Because, you know, some people genuinely struggle with that. And that's okay. But Simon and Keeley do a little course, like an evening coffee. Dip your toe in the water. I'm sure they would be delighted to do another one. Let's see some more people baptised. That's good, isn't it? Da-da. Compassion. This is a tough world, isn't it? Menacing world. More threatening letters from the council this week for bills that I've already paid. It's a... Difficult world, isn't it? But consider the world that Jesus came into. Jesus came into a world where there were Roman soldiers occupying his country. There were puppet kings in place. Politics and religion was just a mess. It was just... But what was Jesus' response? Did he go marching in there and try and straighten them out? No, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw the suffering around him and he decided to take some action. Matthew 14, as we can see on the screen there, it says, Jesus had compassion on the crowd and he healed the sick. And a little aside, what excites me when you read Matthew is it says things like, Jesus healed them all. God just broke out. My my Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. But it doesn't count today, of course. But sometime in the future. But today, today, God can break out in healing. And I get excited by that. Jesus had compassion. He healed their sick. In Matthew 15, he had compassion on the crowd and he fed them. We know the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding subsequently of the 4,000 too. They'd been following him for three days And they were hungry, they were faint. And Jesus took practical action because he was moved with compassion. And in Mark 6.34, again it says here, Jesus was moved with compassion for the people, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Doesn't something stir within you sometimes, a heart, when you see people, they're just lost, they're broken? Sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was not only moved with compassion but he did something about it. Now, within Riverside and and other local churches, there are a range of compassion projects um, that we're involved in. Food Bank, Haven, Grow Baby, Growth Project, Christians Against Poverty, Street Passes, etc. Lots and lots of opportunity to serve and show compassion to people. And, And the logical thing now, of course, is to do an altar call and say, well, if you want compassion... Come up the front, we pray for you. Make sure you fall over the get up and you'll have compassion. But I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do. Because in Matthew 9, 13, Jesus says, But go and learn what this means. I desire obedience and not sacrifice. And I got very stirred as I considered this. 
You see, personally, I haven't always been great at being moved with compassion. can slightly slip into getting judgmental about people's predicament. Um, I think it's called Daily Mail Syndrome. And, and, I, and I don't... But their football writers are excellent. <coughs> I don't think he supports Arsenal, though. <laughs> but um, so over the years, I've had uh, various opportunities to go and learn compassion, both at home and abroad. And uh, I had the opportunity to go to Sri Lanka after the tsunami. We were involved in a number of churches, had been for a number of years out there. And uh, we were working in the refugee camps. And uh, what breaks your heart is there were children in the refugee camps and, and they had to be lined up by the guards or the helpers who had these sticks. And they were beating the kids. And then there was a wall no higher than this keyboard and there were mums on the other side of the wall holding their children, their babies, over the wall to us so that we would pray for them, bless them, give them toys. And again, they were getting hit. So getting it, when you get out in the world and you see what it's like, it is tough. But we blessed those that were there. We did, we did what we can do. And you learn compassion when you start to see the situations and circumstances that some people have found themselves in, often through no fault of their own. Colossians 3 and verse 12 says this. It said, Then put on, as God's chosen and holy ones, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. A number of us have just uh, completed the Freedom in, in- Freedom in Christ course. And uh, the guy who heads it up, Neil Anderson, he does a little daily devotion you can get downloaded to your, uh, your phone. And here's a couple of quotes that I pulled up from him. He said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Compassion is, a question of, is, is not a question of learning technique. It's a question of Christian character and love. And then overall, the goal is to help people experience freedom in Christ so they can move on to maturity and fruitfulness in their walk with God. Now, Julia and I, we we arrived at Riverside uh, January last year, 2017. Um, And when we arrived... We loved Jesus a lot. We knew God was a good father and we knew that he loved us a lot. But we had um, encountered many difficulties and and difficult experiences in in our Christian walk uh, with churches and um, had suffered quite a lot um, in the past. And um, I'd suffered quite a lot of abuse in churches that we'd worked in overseas as well. And, you you know, you come in, sit at the back, leave me alone. (laughs) But we spent time with Simon and Keeley and, and one or two others and they listened to us and they basically loved us and they just showed us compassion. And through that we slowly started to trust other Christians again. Because Jesus-centred compassion, I believe, really opens a doorway for other people. If we move with compassion by Jesus, it opens a door for people. And Simon, back in January, January, February last year, He preached a word on the power of invitation. 
If you've got a computer and you know how to do it, can I encourage you to listen to that again? The power of invitation. And he talked about people in the church being a bridge for others to walk across, to be come in, to be invited in. And Julia and I, we walked across that bridge. And people at Alpha walked across that bridge. And there are other people in this room I can see now who walked across that bridge. But we were drawn in by love and by people who are compassionate and patient with us. More practical application. When Joel was up here speaking um, last year, he talked about the fact that without meaning to, we can fall into our little cliques, can't we? We sit at coffee, we sit with the same people, we meet the same. Out of that, say hello to someone that you don't know. Look out for the stranger. Look out for the visitor. Because how else, how else are the hurting people going to experience Jesus? And as we often say, we are Jesus with skin on to people. Let's be Jesus to people. <coughs> Another writer, Matthew Henry, he says this. Again, it's a bit old-fashioned, but just bear with me. It says, a Christian's calling provides him with glorious privileges, so it obliges him to difficult duty. We are very blessed. I know life is tough, life is difficult, yes, but we are very blessed. And I believe that we have a responsibility to share that with others, not just sit and enjoy the blessing. There's the great hymn, isn't there? Love divine, all love's excelling. Great hymn? Yes. Great hymn. Yes? Should we sing it? Should we sing it? Because it's got the line in it, Jesus, thou art all compassion. Love divine, all love's excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fixing us. Fixing us, thy humbled, all thy faithful. All thy faithful mercies crown Jesus. Jesus, thou art all compassion. Your unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Jesus, thou art all compassion. Jesus, it's all about Jesus. A couple of days ago I was listening to Chris Izzard speaking back in November. But what Chris, what Chris was speaking on, he was saying encountering Jesus changes everything. And I believe that is so true. Encountering Jesus changes everything. In a few minutes when we start praying for one another, I've asked Chris if he will come up. And if you want to encounter Jesus, there's nothing special about Chris, but there is an anointing on that man to pray for folk this morning. There we go. Ta-da. There we go. Encountering Jesus. That's the thing to remember when you go home today. Come to that in a moment. Because of time, I'll, I'll whiz on. But uh, for D, we delight in God's family. And verses 8 to 12, you could argue, is really a checklist of things, uh, simple things that we can do to bless one another. 
And the question is usually is, will I be obedient to what those, to what those promises are? Because I believe the promises in, in the verses 8 to 12 are conditional. I believe they're conditional. We have a choice to be in unity. We have a choice to love one another. And again, Keeley covered that last year in our One Another series, that we are called to love one another. And E, we have an eternal perspective. This is a menacing, broken world, man systems. We have brothers and sisters around the world, some of whom some of us have had the privilege to meet, who are really in very dangerous locations and deal with some very difficult things. So it's very important that we do have an eternal perspective. And Colossians 1, verses 4 to 5 says this. It says, because of your love for the saints, there is a hope laid up for you in heaven. Isn't that good? There is a hope laid up for us in heaven. Death ultimately has been defeated. And it's just Peter just can't stop himself, can he? In verse 22, he says, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is and powers, having been subjected to him. It's the bottom line. Jesus Christ is Lord and everything is under his feet. Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. Now, uh, my world tour continues. Now to the Soviet Union. Um, an opportunity to smuggle some Bibles in, uh, which I did with another guy. Now, it was totally terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. You arrive, big hammer. And if you're under 25, I'm sorry, you probably won't get this. Big flag, hammer and sickle flying, drab, passport control, very scary. They took our passport from us, we had guns put in our faces. It was really scary, but we got, we got the Bible through, which is the important thing. I didn't feel like a hero at all. I felt terrified. I was really scared, really, really scared. It was a menacing atmosphere, but ultimately, who is in charge? Jesus is in charge. Ultimately, our God is the one who is in charge. And if we have an eternal perspective then it's a lot easier to face some of the difficult challenges that can come across our path. So, the ABC. Accept Jesus. Jesus said, you know, the devil has got nothing on me. (laughs) It's fantastic. Jesus has defeated death. He's defeated sin. And he has led captivity captive. He is the one that breaks the chains. He is the one that breaks the bonds that hold us. Only Jesus. Be baptised. It's a practical demonstration that you can look back on. Your feelings don't necessarily follow. You don't necessarily get the buzz that goes with it. But that step of obedience, I believe, is a doorway to open up the blessing of God in your life. Compassion. Jesus showed compassion. And we can go and we can learn how to become compassionate. And there are plenty of opportunities through the things we do here at a church. And delighting in God's family, I believe it gives us a tremendous sense of security in this quite difficult and menacing world. I feel a lot more secure knowing that I'm part of this family. Because God's character, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, God's very nature is relationship, this relationship, this dance, this joy, this union, which I can't explain, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it gives us a picture 
of what family can be like for us, even as fallen and broken people. And do have an eternal perspective. No matter how menacing this world gets, what things that change, rules, political status, etc., charitable status, whatever might change for us as a church in these coming years, have that eternal, pros- uh, that eternal perspective that Jesus Christ ultimately is in charge. He's coming back. He is Lord. In the Old Testament, we hear about people's, God's people gathering in the book of es- es- Ezra. And they were rebuilding the house of God. And that sounds really fantastic, really exciting. But they were frightened of their enemies around them. And Ezra 3 verse 3 says this, that they set the altar in its place for fear was on them because of the peoples of the land. And they offered burnt offerings to it, to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. Now we have, as I said, many servanthood projects running out of here and other churches do too. But I believe the foundation for all those projects is that we come from a place of worship. Worship and reverence to God. Not just doing good deeds because we want to tick the box and feel good. We do it because we worship God. Because we want to say thank you Jesus for all you've done. And as an expression of our love for him, we can then serve others with compassion. Thank you for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.